You're listening to Bizarre Buffet, a podcast of all-you-can-eat weird. I'm your host, Mark Toriello. I'm Jen Wilson. And I'm Mark Blustein. There'll be food and drink and ghosts. And perhaps even a few murders. You're all in private. When we first went in, one of the people said, Who are you? And Tech said, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. Hey guys. Hey. Hey everyone. So before we get started on today's episode, we just wanted to let you know about a great podcast that we've discovered and it's called Strictly Stalking. We love a great stalking story. It's so good. I just listened to an episode about someone that was cyber stalked. Oh my God. I love a good cyber stalk story. I know. We're going to play a quick clip for you. Here you go. Hey guys, I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Strictly Stalking, brought to you from Podcast One. Each week, Strictly Stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words. Do you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion? Have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger? Would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know? We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked. So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite true crime podcast. Hi, everybody. Hey, 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 hey. Hello. How are you? Did you have your jelly juice and did you wear your arsenic dress is my question. Um, I did and I'm here to tell the story. I love it. I had a huge waterfall in oh. my Victorian dress. Ooh, oh, that's beautiful. And then I passed out. Oh, oh. my God. And I can't and imagine. And I woke up and was like, what the fuck happened? I can imagine. Oh. After a really harsh series of waterfalls after the jelly juice, I, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. And we are referring to our past two episodes. Yes. The jelly juice poop cult. We talked about a poop cult that drinks jelly juice. That's right. Mm-hmm. And Jillian. When, when you diarrhea, it's called waterfalling. <laughs> Absolutely. When you diarrhea. Yeah. When you abs- cha-cha-cha. Yeah, that's Jilly's terminology, waterfalling. And we love it. We also did an episode for uh, Fashion Week, yes. and it was about arsenic dresses. Yes. yes. Do you guys have any 18th century garb that you're wearing currently? If not, throw it out. I mean, imagine having diarrhea whilst wearing a hoop skirt. Like Jen. Oh my god. Yeah. And the pantaloons. And the pantaloons. You're like essentially like tied in Tied-up. and... I can't imagine what you would do in an emergency. No. I'm glad that I grew up in a time that I grew up in. People must have had waterfall emergencies yeah. in that time, I'm right? I'm just glad that we live in a society where public restrooms are a thing. Absolutely. Mm. Is that our topic tonight? Public restrooms? Well, it's not, but there's a lot of other great things aside from public restrooms. And why don't we start with a question? Oh my God. I yep. still don't get what we're, where we're going tonight. Do I don't you? either. Well, I have no well, idea. You know, I like to keep a little more mystery and intrigue. I'm a lady. Well, mm. you know, Mark <laughs> also likes Mark to keep disagrees. us on, on edge. I do. And I like, want you to know the story as it evolves. So he just said to me before we started recording, Jen, you're going to enjoy this because we both have a weird connection to this, this topic. This is very true. And I'm sitting here like, oh. I can't even think of what the strange connection is. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be one of those where when I find out what it is, I'm going to be like, okay, I've got it. Exactly. Well, My question tonight. Can you both tell me something weird that has happened to you while traveling? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it can be a weird interaction 
or a time <laughs> that you were lost. It can also be any kind of travel. It doesn't have to be vacation related. So it can be going to work. It can be going to the grocery store. Like just a weird scenario that stands out in your mind. Okay. Yeah. So in case all of you are wondering, why am I laughing? There is a story amongst the three of us that they both know and... It has happened between myself and a mutual friend of ours. So now I understand travel and crazy stories. So yeah. one time I went with this particular friend to Paris. I had my backpack on and we were up at the hill in Montmartre. It's like beautiful church where you could see the entire city. Well, we're walking up this hill and all of a sudden there's like five to seven women just on top of me. Oh my God. I couldn't get out and they're like putting things in my face and they like walked (laughs) away and then came back and gave me my phone because they like essentially got caught. Uh, Oh shit. Uh, So they they snatched your phone and then gave it back to me. God. So you were like terrible. You were like pickpocketed. Yeah. That's so, rough. yeah, that was my story about yeah. crazies in Paris. Yeah. Wow. I guess this one time where I was, like, traveling on a vacation, I went to San Francisco. Great city. I love mm. that city. I it loved it there. It's a really beautiful city. I've never been. Oh, I got to live out my Mrs. Doubtfire fantasy. Oh, oh, oh and I, I got to that. live out my full house fantasy. Yes. Oh, yeah, I saw those houses. Oh, mm-hmm. the painted ladies. The painted ladies. Oh, I love it. And I went R. to the, like, Bob Saget. Oh, yes. Yeah, he was a goodie. Oh, I loved him. When I was walking, there was this guy, and he sang, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, help me get drunk. Oh, I love it. And it was like the middle of sounds, August. Wow. That sounds beautiful. And Christmas in August. Good. I gave him a dollar. Honesty goes a long way. Like, you know what? He's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Until this day, we'll always hear that. Le- Cheers, man. <laughs> I guess that's my weird story of travel. This also connects to this story, too, in some abstract way. I'm from South Jersey originally. This one friend would come visit me there every so often. We used to take a train to Atlantic City. Now, (laughs) I know, this is, listen, everybody, strap yourselves in. We're on the train, and there's a woman who's speaking very loudly. She is basically telling the friend next to her about all the weight loss she had from gastric bypass surgery. I was a little more loosey-goosey, and at the time I was like, I want to see the picture, because clearly she's speaking loudly. People Mm -hmm. usually want attention, and I tend to be the person to give them that attention. It turns into this whole fucking nightmare. Cheryl, hope you're well. (laughs) Cheryl is literally drinking what looks like her version of jelly juice in like a Poland spring bottle. She ends up becoming enamored with a close friend to her then and probably now. He was also a gay man. They start making out. It was a real nightmare. We were stuck with that. It was like we got off the train. We got into, like, Atlantic City proper, perhaps. And they were with you all night. Oh, all night, at least. Jesus Christ. And then what happened? Oh, my God. So it gets so much worse. I would have been like, we got to go. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I had to do. So we're all on the bus. Cheryl and this guy still making out on the bus ride after the train. But you just met these people. Oh, I know. Like, oh come goodness. on. Oh. So sad. oh, I know. It was really a very stressful night. Yeah. After all this, there was like a restroom somewhere and she ended up using it. And, and I was like, we're fucking leaving right while now. she's in the bathroom. Yeah. Now. Smart. Let's go. 
that happens, we leave. And then later on in the evening, we see the free bus that takes you to the hotels and a woman tumbling out of the bus who was her. We literally ran yeah. to get out of there. Yeah. Because it was her? Yeah, it was her. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Damn. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, it's that's quite a story. So that was one of my examples. Yeah. Let's get into the story. Yeah. Okay. All right. The story you're about to hear has an abundance of unexplained events, perhaps not in a paranormal sense or mystery, but an unsolved mystery sense. Tonight we're going to the city of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yes. And we're joining our friends, Judy and her husband, Jeffrey Smith. Judy and Jeffrey Smith. Yes. What's the reason for our trip, you might ask? Judy's husband, Jeffrey, had a work conference in Philadelphia, so they decided to make a little trip slash vacation out of it. Mm. An adventure, you know? They'd yeah, be, of course. Yeah, having fun, you know? They're like, why not? We're going here anyway. Yeah. So they'd be spending three days in the city, specifically April 9th to the 11th, and the year is 1997. It's April 9th, 1997, the day they're supposed to leave for their trip to Philadelphia. Judy and her husband, Jeffrey, arrive at Logan International Airport in Massachusetts. There's already issues, though. At the time, airports had started requiring a photo ID to board the plane. Jeffrey ends up boarding his 130 flight as planned, while Judy returns home to retrieve her ID. Subsequently boarding a 7.30 flight the same evening. So basically, they went to the airport, and then she didn't have a photo ID, so yeah. he had to go on the plane, and then and she had to go home. And yeah. she turned around. Yeah. And, yeah. and then she had to get a, a, se- a separate flight. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. To Philadelphia. To Philadelphia. Okay. Exactly. Jeffrey flies to Philadelphia without Judy. It's agreed upon that, you know, they're going to meet at the hotel they had booked in Philadelphia later that same evening. Okay. So like, okay, you go home, come later. It's also said that once Judy did get to Philadelphia, she greeted him with flowers and a sheepish apology. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. Wow, I know. Aww. Right? Very cute. Judy finally gets to Philly. Later the same evening, they were staying at the Doubletree Hotel. Oh, this connection. Are you? Yeah. Okay, so we have two, We have a different connection from the question. Uh-huh. And then this yeah. hotel, I came down to Philly for like a weekend to look at colleges with my family and stayed in this hotel. And I met Jen there. Mark met me there and we went out. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. I That's didn't know that. the connection. Yeah. Where I worked in Philly, I could see this hotel. You worked like across the street from it, right? I, I worked on the same side of the street. I was on 13th. Mm-hmm. The double tree was on 14th, which is Broad Street. I could like throw a rock at the front door of this wow. hotel. Oh, shit. Yeah. We're going to go to April 10th now. 1997. 1997, baby. Jeffrey wakes up the following day before his wife, Judy. He decides to go down and take advantage of what I'm assuming was a fantastic breakfast provided by the Doubletree. After Jeff eats his free breakfast, he heads back up to the room. And at this point, it's said that Judy was in the bathroom taking a shower, getting ready. Jeff does his thing, gets himself ready, heads down to the room where his work conference is being held. So Judy's going to go sightseeing. She's going to go see the Liberty Bell. She's never been to Philly, so it's an exciting day. Yeah. It was established that they'd meet back at their hotel room later in the evening. There was a cocktail party being hosted by his company at about 6 p.m. that evening. So they had, you know, a solid block of, like, what they were supposed to do. Okay. 
Jeffrey finishes his conference for the day. It's around 5.30 now this evening. They're supposed to meet at 6. Judy isn't back at their hotel room. At this point, Jeff isn't really concerned because he was like, maybe she's just running a little late. Yeah. And figured that she probably came back and went downstairs ahead of him. Yeah. So she was already there, essentially. But she wasn't. No, she was not there to his surprise. So he kept going periodically between the hotel room and the event to see if she was there. Nothing. Around 6.15, he decides to alert the hotel People start calling some local hospitals. Which oh, I, shit. Yeah, which I totally get, you know? Like, yeah. silly accidents happen. Philadelphia is like, unfamiliar to also her. also 1997. There's no access really to cell phones. Well, no one really has a cell phone. Exactly. Exactly. If you do, you were like mm. the rich person. Oh, totally. I, I can just imagine, like, the anxiety and fear he was. Oh, my God. Yeah, for sure. Saying, like, you're in this foreign. You know, yeah. You know, you're in a city that you don't reside They're hours in and, away from where they live. Yeah. You know, she's supposed to be doing very specific things. And now, like, where are you? I'd be mortified. Yeah, me too. Jeff's trying to be logical at this point. Like, he's concerned, but he's also trying to maintain some sense of logic here. He knew that any number of things could have happened to delay her from getting back, whatever. But Jeff couldn't understand why she wouldn't at least contact him some way, like a payphone. Carrier pigeon. Yeah, carrier pigeon. Smoke signal. Smoke signal, you know? Reiki. Cheryl. (laughs) Telepathy. (laughs) Telepathy. Cheryl and telepathy. Jeff decides to call his stepson (laughs) back home now. I guess to presumably see if he had heard from Judy, but nothing, nothing happened. No one heard from her at home. Jeff decides to start searching for Judy. At Does this, he start roaming the streets of Philadelphia? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. He starts roaming the streets. He pays a cab driver to follow the route that he believes Judy would have taken on the local bus tour. There is now a free bus service in Philadelphia, which I used many, many times. It was called The Flash, P-H-L-A-S-H. Now, that would take you anywhere, and it was like touristy attractions, Liberty mm-hmm. Bell, all that bullshit. The Flash bus driver would later confirm that he had picked up a woman that morning who matched Judy's description. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that was something that would be a revelation later on. What was the description? I mean, essentially, it was describing what she looked like, Mm -hmm. you know, what she was wearing, her backpack, um, things like that. Got it. Despite these efforts to locate Judy, Jeff comes up with nothing. It's 12 a.m. the following morning. Jeff goes to the local police department to file a missing persons report. And it's said that Jeff was turned away from filing a report because Judy had not been missing for a full 24 hours, which I always thought was a movie thing. But apparently it's not. (laughs) No, it's a big problem with a lot of these situations and cases. Yeah. Yeah. The following morning, Jeff was able to file his report. It's said that essentially he got attention because one of the people attending his work conference was the then mayor of Philadelphia, Ed Rendell. The next day, he was greeted more kindly Mm -hmm. because of his connection is, is what's implied here. Jeff did note, though, that the police were treating him as a suspect from the very beginning. Essentially, they were skeptical because at this point in time, they were convinced that Judy didn't arrive in Philadelphia at all. That she wasn't there ever. Not once. Says them. Says them. Exactly. 
their theory or their argument was essentially, how could she have forgotten her ID? What's wrong with you, little lady? You know, especially since at this point in time, it was required for air travel. Jeff's response essentially was that he countered this claim by stating that the rule of needing your driver's license to board a plane had only been put into effect in the last 18 months. So Judy hasn't flown anywhere since that rule was put into effect. Mm -hmm. So Jeff is like, it's kind of logical that she could have forgotten it because it wasn't a thing until recently. There's only one person at this point in time who had claimed to have seen Judy at the Doubletree, and that's the desk clerk at the hotel. That which would make sense. Right. Exactly. I think, yeah, they check you in. Yeah. I think that would be a pretty reputable reference, you know, but the police still, they don't think it's so reputable. Due to the fact that the employee had only seen who they thought was Judy, but this person didn't actually, like, check her in. But, like, couldn't they get, like, the cameras, like, the surveillance system? You would think. I don't know what it was like in 97, but I imagine they had something. They had to have. Should we talk about some strange details? Sure. Involving this case. They love a strange detail. Yeah. Um, Right. So, a detective had noted that in Judy and Jeff's hotel room, none of Judy's clothes had really been touched. They questioned why she wouldn't have changed her outfit the following day. So essentially what she flew to Philadelphia in, Mm. she wore the following day. Like she didn't change her outfit. Okay. It was also noted that there were no cosmetics or personal items from Judy at the hotel. Police had also mentioned that Jeffrey refused to take a polygraph test. However, Jeffrey stated that he, in fact, would have taken a polygraph test, but he wanted it administered by the FBI. And if he passed the test, he would want the Bureau to assist in the investigation. A police captain by the name of John McGinnis stated that Jeffrey already knew that the FBI would not be assisting in the investigation. Jeff would still refuse to take the test, even when the Philadelphia police made it possible for him to take the test in his home state of Massachusetts. The department later stated something to the effect that Jeff gave us some of what we asked of him, but not everything. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Five months after Judy disappears, are you ready to go to North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, What? Who's in North Carolina? Why are we in North Carolina? Wow. You're about to find out. They're going to run us out with pitchforks. Pitchforks, that's right. So, I know that was a quick turnaround, wasn't it? And now we left Philadelphia. So this is six months later. Yeah. So we're we're six Uh, months. Five months later. We're five five months down the line and she still has not been found. Judy has not been found. But who's in North Carolina? Well, let's get into it. We're going to get a little deeper now into Judy Smith, honey. So that sounded sexual. (laughs) Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Who knows? (laughs) A body is discovered on September 7th, 1997. A father and son stumble upon a body in Asheville, North Carolina. They come across a bunch of scattered bones at first, but that leads them to a shallow grave that seemingly was uncovered by wildlife in the area. So, like, animals had been picking at the spot. Upon examinations of the bones, they determined them to be female, mid to late 40s, extensive dental work, severe arthritis in the right knee, you know, so on and so forth. The coroner also noted that there were cutting marks on her ribs, which led to the conclusion that she was fatally stabbed. Remains were unidentified at this point in time. So they were still 
unidentified, okay. but they found, you know, the spotty. So, but couldn't those like marks on the ribs be from animals, mm. like clawing and picking? Yeah, at it, they they absolutely could be. Yeah. In theory, you know, this is just yeah. But I I agree. Identifying the skeletal remains, we're going to get into that. So. You may be thinking to yourself, what do these bones in North Carolina have to do with Judy Smith? Don't tell me it's her. Well, let's get deeper. Remember how I said earlier how her husband, Jeff, was like, you know, calling hospitals and everything like that? He also had sent lots of flyers out to, you know, various hospitals. Aside from calling them, you know, he sent flyers. all over the world? Well, not all over the world, really, but like Philadelphia, like just different places, different hospitals in different states, essentially, to be like, if this woman turns up. You know, call me. Yeah, call me. Let me know what's going on if if somebody stumbles in or something. At this point, the remains are identified. Oh, We're fast-forwarding a little bit. There was an emergency room physician in North Carolina who saw an article in the newspaper about the discovery of these remains. He then made a mental connection, remembering a flyer he had seen, one that Judy's husband had sent to his hospital... Judy's dental records are then pulled by police. So the remains were her. Yeah. In North Carolina. In North Carolina. Five months later. Yeah. Five months later. So this doctor who worked in this, you know, hospital essentially made the connection. He was like, I remember this guy sent these flyers of this woman. We should just look into it. It was just an odd uh, chance of yeah, that's, luck that's or crazy you know yeah. states away yeah, yeah. States. states away wow and that's gonna and we're gonna get a little more into why mm-hmm. that just makes even less sense too yeah because as you know they lived in massachusetts they went to philadelphia but north carolina is as, the wild card yeah things are going to get more insane based off of the evidence that was found where judy's remains were discovered it stated that judy was not alone I'm not sure what they're basing this off of, but it sounds like they had enough clues to assume that Judy most likely was killed in the woods there in North Carolina. Essentially, what that comes down to is that she wasn't killed in Philly. She wasn't killed in Massachusetts. She was killed in North Carolina. So why she was in North Carolina... We don't know, but she was killed there. I wonder how they were able to tell that she was killed on the site that they found There's the body. There's got to be a way that, like, you can see. And it's really interesting because you watch shows where, like, the forensics team comes in and, like, they can actually tell you, like, where they were standing when they shot the victim or when they were stabbing right. the victim. Like, how they're able to tell, like, that, like, someone was, like, shot on the floor and then they were shot again on the floor. Yes. All because of, like, angles and stuff. Exactly. And there are some details in this that I think are going to come up that kind of, like, paint more of a picture like what you're saying. Um, So we'll we'll go into those. Judy's remains were found dressed in jeans and hiking boots. Let's make a quick call back to where we spoke about the officer who commented on how Judy disappeared in the same outfit she wore. So you're like... She's wearing hiking boots, boots a totally like an outfit that essentially was like appropriate for where her body was found. Yeah. Okay. You know, like a hiking outfit. I'm going to just throw this in there, though. Like the part about the outfit, how the cops said, oh, she wore the same outfit the second day. A daughter of hers later confirmed that it wasn't uncommon for her mother to do that when she was traveling, which kind of makes it even more weird. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really, it kind of makes it more complicated in a way. 
Like, with the outfit thing, it that makes sense, because she was probably like, okay, well, I'm going to be on an airplane, so let me wear a shitty outfit. Yeah. And, you know, she probably was like, oh, I'm going to be walking around the city doing touristy things, let me wear a shitty outfit, but I'll wear my nice stuff to dinner. Yeah. Or to whatever. Yeah, you know? that makes sense, because yeah. it's not like they were supposed to have been there for a very long yeah. time. It's it like was like three days. Three days, yeah. so I, I get it. Some other items that were found with Judy Smith and her body, we'll get into that. Judy was found in a shallow grave on a hiking trail, as we already know. Mm -hmm. There were multiple smaller holes surrounding her where things were buried. So in one hole, the police found a backpack that contained warmer winter-style clothing with $80 in it. The second hole had a pair of sunglasses in it. The third hole contained a shirt, and in that shirt, it had $87 in the pocket, what this means, essentially, is that it wasn't robbery-driven, so we can check that off the list. It's also noted that the sunglasses found at the crime scene weren't recognized by anyone in the family as belonging to her. They actually said that she wouldn't have bought a pair of sunglasses like that. It's bizarre. Maybe they were someone else's, or yeah. you know, maybe she purchased them right before going right. into these woods. Yeah. Here's something very interesting. Judy had a red backpack when she disappeared, but... What color? Blue. Blue, blue was found in the hole that was near her. The red one has not ever been discovered. They don't mm. know where it is. She, I mean, maybe she just got a new backpack. Maybe. I mean, yeah. maybe somebody who was trying to go, you know, purposefully mm -hmm. missing. Yeah. Right? Who knows? Yes. Her family stated that Judy had only ever been to that part of the country maybe like twice in her life. They couldn't come up with reasoning. So regardless of how or why she was killed, it's more to them as to why. how did she end up there? Why was she in North mm -hmm. Carolina? Residents in Asheville claim to have seen Judy Smith, though, in North Carolina. So we're going to get into some of the commentary mm -hmm. there. Okay. There were a few people who claimed to have seen her, like we said, or at least somebody who matched her description in April of 1997. So the same month. The Philadelphia trip of, wow. you know, of the Philadelphia okay. trip. A local worker shared her story of their encounter with Judy. They said, she seemed very alert to me. She was very pleasant. I didn't see anything about her that would indicate that she wasn't right in any way. The same person stated that Judy told her that her husband was a lawyer in Boston, which is accurate, mm -hmm. and that he was attending a conference in Philadelphia. And during that time, she decided to go to the Asheville area. What the fuck is that about? So now there's a person, a complete stranger. That can, yeah. That is saying exactly what was supposed to or allegedly happened. Right. That she's being told, like, is that not insane? Yeah. <laughs> well, then that's probably what actually happened. She probably went mm -hmm. to, to so um, Philly. So he could have known. Oh. He probably could have known and just covered it up or something well that is one of the speculation aspects for sure because I, I don't think anything happened to her in philadelphia i don't no. think so either. i think she i think she went for sure i think she absolutely went there yeah. and i think that when she was doing like the tourist stuff mm -hmm. is when she went to north carolina gotcha so you think she intentionally left at that point yes interesting and that he knew about it like it was something that was planned 
I mean, I maybe, maybe, maybe the two. not. I don't know, I don't know. about I that. I want more yeah. details. Yeah. yeah, there's some other elements that might help paint more okay. of that picture, mm-hmm. but there's still going to be a lot of speculation yeah. here. All right. There was a campground close to where Judy Smith was found. This campground where Judy's remains were, the owner of the property recalled encountering Judy. She said that she pulled up in a gray sedan and the car was filled with boxes. Judy had asked the owner of the campgrounds if she could park slash sleep in her car on the property. Judy was denied and she left shortly after. So it's another interest. In a van filled with boxes. Yeah, in a gray sedan filled with boxes. So let's get into another one. Okay. A local deli owner said that Judy had came into his deli, purchased $30 worth of sandwiches, as well as a toy truck. Odd additional purchase. (laughs) I would just like to add that the investigators working the Judy Smith case deemed all three of these witnesses credible. So they were given the stamp of approval. So these people were seen as legit by the police. So let's talk about some more strange events that happened in Philadelphia prior to the North Carolina discovery and the witnesses. So there's another hotel in Philadelphia called the Society Hill Hotel. Mm -hmm. An employee at the Society Hill Hotel claimed to have interacted with somebody matching Judy's description the employee stated that Judy, or the person who he believed was Judy, seemed psychologically unwell. The dates actually match up in this case that she had allegedly been there. It was April 13th to the 15th. The woman was reported to have spoken in tongues, argued loudly with invisible people. Mm. Also, when she was wow. asked about her payment for the room, she said that the emperor would be sending money via Western Union. Oh okay. My yeah. Good time. There was another sighting of Judy. Somebody. Wait, are they sure that was her? It's hard because there were so many. Mm-hmm. Like sightings? Yes, so many of them. So I don't know if that one is entirely okay. valid or not. Okay. It's just out there. It's just out the there. It's, okay. it's, it's a story yeah. of somebody who claims to, you know. Yeah. There was another report uh, a homeless man had made who claimed to have seen Judy sleeping on a park bench on April 14th. There was another report of her sitting in front of a grocery store, another of her being at the Greyhound bus terminal in Philly, which I'm very familiar with, even at a Macy's department store in Deptford, New Jersey, which is a mall that I went to all the time growing up. Now, this one actually was given a lot of validity because the sales associate who helped her at the Macy's store described her red backpack, all of it. And this person, though, did say that she seemed unwell. She said that she was buying clothing for her daughter, who hates all the clothing that I buy for her. And she does have a daughter. So this is just another weird aspect Like, Deptford, New Jersey, like, the way I would describe it, is so close to Philly. Mm-hmm. It would have been very easy for her to, to have that. gotten there. Yeah, because Philly is kind of near the border of New Jersey. Exactly. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Exactly. So it would have been a very easy thing to do, especially yeah. if she was getting around the way she was, right. you yeah. know? No records were ever found of Judy even purchasing a bus ticket or renting a car or anything showing her attempting to leave Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, when she flew to Philly, you know mm-hmm. how she had to, like, go back home and get a new plane ticket Mm -hmm. how did is there did she pay with a credit card or did she pay cash was there any 
I was thinking about this during my research, and there's nothing that mentions wow. anything Not up there. Not even that. airport surveillance footage. I feel like every yeah. airport yeah. should have. Even in the 80s, they probably had some form Something. of surveillance. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, out of all the things I've seen, I didn't come across anything that even mentioned that. Hmm. Like, we just know of, like, the few eyewitnesses in North Carolina who were, like, you know, essentially cleared by the police as legit. But do we even know? Like, what's their basis for her being, those stories being legit? I don't know. I don't know what they're using. And they couldn't confirm how she died based on no, the bones. No, they said that they essentially mm. they've said stabbing because of cut marks. But you made a good point. Like animals yeah. could yeah, have. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about real quick a guy named Sam Constance. He was a detective on the case. He did not believe that Judy was abducted flat out. He believed that Judy went to North Carolina voluntarily. Yep. He didn't believe that Judy was killed and dumped on the hiking trail. Pretty much, you know, what we're just talking about. You know, he didn't think that... Maybe she was just having a midlife crisis and was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go off the radar. Yeah. I'm going to go into the wild. Yeah. Even though I know probably nothing about hiking and shit. Well, exactly. And I'm glad you brought this up because now we're going to talk about... Did Judy possibly plan her disappearance? Yeah. Now, a friend of hers seems to think so... And this friend said, at the time this happened, Jeff and Judy's marriage was very tenuous. I believe that something did happen that triggered her to want to have some time away from Jeff. But to close this out, essentially, now that we have this whole Mm -hmm. mess of different things going on, the story of Judy Smith and how she ended up in North Carolina is still a mystery. And I truly believe that no one will know the exact events that transpired leading up to the discovery of Judy Smith's body. I think there are too many yeah. witnesses, too many accounts, too many places, too many states. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just uh, something for people to think about, right. essentially. And that's what I'm hoping this did. So if you want, we can get into a few theories yeah, just I real hear, quick. I love theories. Yeah. Yeah. I love theories, too. I, I want to yeah. hear what other people have to say about yeah. it. Yeah. Because then maybe you might be like, oh... That could that could make sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So early on in the investigation, the police thought maybe Judy was suffering a midlife crisis, just wanted out. The family disagrees with this. So, you know, there's a theory that Judy was potentially going to meet a new love interest, obviously unaware of who she was actually meeting and subsequently being killed by this person. Well, wasn't AOL a thing at the time? So Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a friend growing up who left the father for a guy she met on an AOL chat room wow. who also lived in Atlantic City. Classy. Oh. Yeah. So some think that she, like her friend said, she might have been taking some time away from Jeffrey. It was essentially kept a secret. Like, they were like, okay, so I'm going to Philadelphia. You're coming with me. This is our story. And there's some complications there like something weird happened like she never went to philly but there's too many yeah there's too many things that put her there still in my opinion she uh, was buried and they buried yes. her stuff so it, it it's not an accident no. i think there was some foul play as they yeah. would say yeah i think there's some foul play i don't know my opinion i think that it's pretty simple i think that Now, I don't know, it might not be simple, but she essentially went to Philadelphia with her husband. She was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm done with this. And 
she maybe had, a, I think the love interest thing could be the closest one. Yeah. When her body was found, they don't think that she was dumped there. They think she was killed there on that trail. And she was also dressed accordingly mm-hmm. for the trail. So she went there intentionally. Whatever happened yeah. there happened there. But we don't know why all of the complicated stuff. Maybe she made this elaborate plan just so the husband wouldn't find her, be on to her, and then she found herself in other trouble? I don't know. I feel like there's two scenarios. Mm -hmm. I think this scenario number one that I have in mind is that she planned this. Not the dying part. Yeah. But the rest of it. I I agree. I think she wanted to go off the radar for a while. I I agree. And I think what happened is is that when they went to the airport and she didn't have her, her ID or photo ID. Yeah. I feel that that was staged. Um, I could see that. So she could go back and repack. Uh, Not for for Philly, but for... For the trip, because she had the appropriate clothing. But wait, think about this, too. Oh, tell me. So normally, you check your luggage in, Mm -hmm. and then you get to security. Yeah. So they could have checked both their luggages in, Mm -hmm. hence why her clothes... Oh, shit. That's a good... Oh, Jen, that's really good. Because it could have been the thing where she was like, here, take my bag with you. I gotta... Yeah, well, no. No, because when you... The first thing you do is you check into your flight. Before you even get to the gate for that. Yeah, and you give them... Like, you check in and you give them your luggage. And they place it in cargo. Oh, shit. Oh, see what I mean? That's why these stories lead you down a fucking loop. The fact that, like, every sighting was, like, her outfit and a backpack would make sense. Yeah. Damn. That's wild. I think that, yeah, I think there's some, uh, I I don't know. This story makes me crazy, too. I think it's it's not quite Cindy James, but it's it has a lot of those weird elements. Mm-hmm. Were know. they were they wealthy? I'm assuming they probably. I'm were assuming so. He's a lawyer, and he's she was like, a nurse by trade. Another nurse. Guess. Yeah. There's no resolution to this. No, of course not. Oh my God, Mark. Jeffrey has passed. But, has he really? <laughs> yeah, he's gone. But why I was thinking is is maybe she was having a midlife crisis yeah. slash. Well, that's Roman- one of the romantic theories. Romantic affair. Yes. And she flew down to North Carolina to yeah. be with this person. And maybe because they had money, maybe she was financially supporting him. Maybe. To an extent. And yeah. that's why, I mean, it's interesting because she had, what, they found $87 in her pocket. And like a shirt that was buried and yeah. then money in a shirt that she was that's wearing. That's crazy. So I feel like she yeah. could have had a big stash of money that she was bringing with her. Possibly. That, that possible too. Like but, this was planned. But then I read something somewhere else and this is, this is like a valid thing. I just mm-hmm. can't remember where I saw it, but that... She didn't bring any of her credit cards. So she had like an American Express or Mm -hmm. a Visa or one of those. And she had a certain amount of cash. Let's say it was $500 for the sake of the story in the hotel. But she only took a certain amount. She didn't take all of the cash, which I'm like... Why, what is that about, too? Yeah. yeah. So she didn't have access to the accounts from cards. Nothing was removed from a credit card or bank card. And yeah. then only some of the money, not all the cash. Right. And you're going on this wild adventure to Deptford, New Jersey, and to the yeah. Greyhound. Mm-hmm. And 
another hotel. And that's why, though, this is, uh, you know, a topic for everybody to think about. Right. Yeah. And um, while you're thinking about why Judy Smith didn't take off all of her cash, you know what you can do? You can go to Patreon.com slash Bizarre Buffet. And you could sponsor us $3 a month. You get a handmade pin by me. Send us rice. So you get a handmade postcard, which is like a beautiful collage. It is. It looks like a serial killer did it. It's me. It's me. And you also get, you get access to bloopers, bloopers deleted content. Deleted. Exactly. Things right. that'll get us canceled on regular podcasts. Yeah, yeah. it's like the NC-17 version. Yeah, so after right. dark. And then for $10 a month, you get all that and you get a video shout out hey. on top of yeah. a blindfolded drawing of by the your three choice. of us. Your choice. You pick it. We all do we'll it. We all draw it. Yeah, and you'll get a video of us doing it. Yeah, it's a good time. It yeah, is. It is. It's great. Like us on Instagram, yes, Facebook. please. And if you're watching us on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Yes, make sure to hit the bell, turn on notifications, so you oh, know yeah. when our horny episodes drop. I guess with that being said, <clears throat> I'm the red backpack that was never found. And I'm the blue backpack. Oh my God, I love that. Oh. And I'm the mayor of Philadelphia. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. Wow, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs>